Welcome to TNS, the new school at Commonweal, a collaborative learning project exploring nature, culture, and consciousness. Join us now for one in a series of podcasts that document three days of workshops on the study of the Enneagram, with panels exploring the different personality types, led by Beatrice Chestnut and hosted by Michael Lerner. This episode documents the Enneagram panel for personality type 9, led by Beatrice Chestnut. So welcome back from lunch. I hope you had a good one uh, for our nine panel. We have an excellent nine panel for you. Um, and I'll say a few words about nine and then we'll get into the panel. So nine is the core point of the body-based triad, which means it's in the middle. And it's also on the inner triangle from nine, three to six, um, which means that it's a kind of foundational point for it's sort of a, uh, a, the middle point, the foundational point, and to some degree, eights and one are a variation on nine. Uh, so nine is um, uh, at the top of the diagram. Uh, nines are types where uh, also, like we talked about with eights, anger types. However, with nine, anger has gone to sleep. Uh, nines underdo anger, and if you ask most uh, naive nines who don't know the Enneagram, if they're angry, they usually say, no, I never get angry. Uh, <laughs> I'm not angry. Um, and so the interesting that happens with, thing that happens with nines is, and again, this goes for all emotions for all of us, when we're not aware of them and we don't consciously feel them, it doesn't mean they go away. Um, and for nines, they leak out in passive forms. Um, now, nines, focus of attention, and uh, for all of the Enneagram types, one of the things I think is very interesting and that I like about the Enneagram is that, uh, to, to a large degree, the, what, what defines the personality type is where, what they focus their attention on. And of course, uh, our old teacher, David Daniels, would always remind us that energy follows attention. And so, what you pay attention to gets your energy. And, Nines tend to pay attention to harmony in the environment, creating harmony among people and avoiding conflict. Um, is everyone getting along? Oftentimes, as children, they had the experience of being overlooked as if their viewpoint or they themselves were not quite as important as the other people in the environment or as louder voices in the environment. Um, and so as a coping strategy, they kind of take the path of least resistance and kind of get along to go along. Um, well, I'll just sort of harmonize with others' agendas. I'll go along with what the other louder voices in the family system or the world want, uh, and I'll kind of go along. Um, and so they tend to uh, go to sleep to or not be in touch with their own agenda, their own anger, sometimes to some degree their own opinions because if you're someone who really wants to avoid conflict and create harmony in the world or in your environment, being having a strong opinion, being angry is not something that's gonna necessarily foster a sense of harmony. Uh, and, and nines feel a sense of well-being uh, with, when harmony is happening. Uh, and conflict feels like separation. And to some degree, nines are the archetype that remind us almost of uh, a union. 
It can be union with the divine. It can be union with the mother in the womb or after birth when we're really child and mother are one. This sort of all the good things that come in fusion and union with others. Um, and, and at the same time, like with every uh, Enneagram type and every Enneagram attribute, there tends to be a, a good side and a bad side, an upside and a downside. So the upside of this, of this stance is uh, they tend to be very helpful and supportive of others. They tend to like it, help people get along. Nines are very good at seeing all sides of an issue and helping mediate disputes and helping people understand each other better. Uh, and they tend to be easygoing and likable and easy to get along with because they're not expressing anger. They're not you know, asserting their strong opinions and, and saying everyone should do it my way. They're supporting others and going with the flow. However, the downside, especially for them, is that they tend to get out of touch when you don't, when, when something's threatening, like uh, anger can feel to them, uh, because it, it potentially creates conflict and disruption and separation, uh, they go to sleep to it. There can be a lack of consciousness about their own inner being, their desires, uh, their anger. And so they can, um, they can not always be in touch with themselves. So, so it can be hard for them to say, know what they want. Uh, or know what their agenda is. Uh, and so sometimes they may go along with others' agendas, but at a certain point realize like, hey, I never really agreed to this. Um, and there can be a sense of um, passive resistance that comes up at a certain point when they get in touch with the fact that, you know, I wasn't really consulted here, I, or I wasn't given an opportunity to express my opinion. Now, of course, it's hard for them to bring that forward sometimes, uh, but it can be a, a situation where one, nine sometimes know more what they don't want than what they want. Um, so the archetypal uh, example is when you ask a nine, where would you like to go to dinner? And they say, I don't know, where would you like to go? Uh, and you say, well, let's go to Mexican food. And they say, ah, I don't want Mexican food, <laughs> right? So they know what they don't want, but it's harder for them to choose. And I'll say, okay, well, why don't you choose? Oh, no, no, you choose. You know, it can, it can look a little bit like that. Um, so of course the growth path for nines is to get more in touch with themselves, get more in touch with their own agenda and their own anger and their own path uh, and go up against other people and risk having conflicts to express uh, their own unique uh, desires and, and, and feelings uh, more actively in the world. So I will leave it there, and I'll trust that uh, our experts will cover the rest of the territory and that we'll learn much more from them. So welcome, everyone. Thank you for being here. I want to introduce our panel first. Uh, we have, starting from the other end, Matt. We have Jill. We have Steve, Krista, Oren, and Delia. So welcome everyone and thank you for being here to help us understand nine. Um, Delia, would you start and uh, let us know a little bit about how you came to see yourself as a nine, what that was like and how you see some of these nine patterns showing up in your life. Sure. Um, I was introduced to the Enneagram, I think when we were in graduate school together, yes. um, studying counseling psychology. And um, I remember reading through the types and identifying with most of them, um, except <laughs> which, I really which knew <laughs> I was not an eight. And trust me, oh my God, in the eight panel, 
if I could say I am the opposite of that, so many, I mean, there's so many things I'm like, oh, I want to be like, yeah, anyway. <laughs> it's fascinating. I have so, A-N-D also. <laughs> um, so it was hard to choose, but it was pretty clear from um, the the idea of self-forgetting. And so I grew up in not the most functional family. And there was a lot of neglect and there was a lot of dissociation. So dissociation was sort of what I did in order to survive. And um, I did very much merge with my mother, who was very interested in telling me who I was. And so, okay. And um, <laughs> I learned to look outside of myself to get some kind of reflection because I had not gotten really, I would say, adequate mirroring in, in my early relationships. And I was really reliant on my relationships to show me who I was. But it's hard when you are um, paying so much attention outside to the other that you are not focusing inward at all. So um, I... Uh, relate to the idea of not not being aware of my anger. I used to recognize that I was angry when, you know, I would be like, are you angry with me? And mm. um, and then I understood that that was projection and that it was helpful. <laughs> and, so you and, would suspect that the other person was angry at you yes. and that was the clue that maybe you were angry with them. Exactly. Ah, so yeah. it took a while, but I, 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 I woke up. <laughs> and um, and now, actually, I'm quite aware of when I'm angry, <laughs> which is really, I'm grateful for. Mm -hmm. And so, how often are you angry now? Oh, constantly. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, I think it's interesting when we talk about subtype, I'm curious about this, but I am, um, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a sexual nine, but um, so I'm very aware of my, my attachments, um, but... If I'm not physically comfortable, I just can't, I can't, I can't tolerate it, you know. Mm. If I'm cold mm -hmm. or I'm hungry, I have to pee. Like it's, it's, mm -hmm. it just, you know, invades my consciousness. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, so there may be some self-pres themes in there as well. I maybe believe second. so. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. So anything else? Or anything else you want to, you mentioned merging with your mother. Yes. Merging isn't a thing that nines do. Can you say a little bit more about what that is for you or how that happens? Well, I think... I learned how to be, as you know, many, many children do, how to be, um, I don't want to use the word narcissistic because this is being taped, but um, <laughs> I, I, um, I learned how to attune very, very closely to my mother, and it was very important for me to do that. Um, so in, in attuning to others, I mean, I think it makes me a great psychotherapist, but it is... Um, it's always been important for me to try to have some kind of an attachment figure to, to look toward for support or protection because those were things that I didn't get a lot of in my, in my parental relationships. Um, and yeah, I haven't, I haven't actually succeeded so well in the merging. Um, well, it sounds like the attunement is sort of the beginning of it. It's like yeah. a, it's almost like a, a, a looking to that person for a sense of who you are. And I know sexual nines can do this even a little more than other nines in terms mm -hmm. of really finding an identity or, or a sense of who you are in that relationship and in the other person. Um, I like the way Naranjo put it. He said, sometimes for a sexual, sexual, sexual nine, one plus one equals one. 
Hmm. Instead of one plus one equal two, and to really have healthy relationship, you need to be standing in your own body and your own feet. And yet, there's a way that sexual nines can really merge with the other person, almost to the place where you don't really know where the boundary is. So it's almost like an attuning, but then a blending. Then a blending. Yeah. And I think, I mean, for instance, I don't like being the center of attention. It makes me incredibly uncomfortable to be here. And when I'm anxious, I lose touch with myself. So I need to kind of check back with you. What did you say? What was that question? Help me find, mm-hmm. you know, my center. Mm-hmm. So I, um, <laughs> I, life has given me a lot of opportunities to grow. And so many of my my attempts to merge with others have been thwarted. Um, But what that... Beautifully said. What that that has allowed me to do is to concentrate, you know, sometimes because I had to, on what I was feeling and what I needed in order to preserve myself and to thrive. And and now, I mean, I, I think in at this phase of my life, I was told recently, I'm also an archetypal astrologer, which I feel a little, you know, like I'm being disloyal um, by no, saying. Oh, it's good. It's, um, but I was told in a reading that my primary attachment in this lifetime is with the divine. And I thought, okay, <laughs> I can do that. Yes. <laughs> that takes the pressure off. Yeah. And I think that because I, I spend, um, you know, I'm able to spend a lot of time by myself mm-hmm. and I'm able to nurture my relationship with myself and my, I'm a very devotional person. I'm very devoted to my clients, to my relationships. It's easy for me to put that energy out, um, that to focus it where it really needs to be focused. It feels like I've kind of been given an enormous gift and I can relax now. Right. And it's healthy for sexual nines to spend time alone, whether they're in relationship or not. And it's healthy to have that merger be with the divine uh, as, a, as a way of being. And, um, and I loved that you mentioned that you're an archetypal astrologer because there's a little three in you, which is healthy because, again, that's a, something you're really, really good at and something I think in the past you may not have mentioned because nines are very modest and there's a way they won't bring forward, like here's who I am and here's what I'm good at. And so I love that you mentioned that because thank you. You're, uh, you, you have a, so much knowledge about that. And so... Well, thank you. I mean, take that as a sign of health. It's it's really helpful, <laughs> I think, to have the enneagram as a tool to have something to grow toward and to know that to move toward three and actually claim some of those things and step out of the shadows where I feel so much more comfortable um, is is helpful for my, right. my development. Right, and I think you're. It's a good point about the enneagram in terms of twos. Also, twos and nines were so other focused to kind of give us a sense of oh, here's what health means. Mm. You know, it's good to focus on myself. A lot of times when I'm working with twos as clients and they start to pay more attention to themselves, which is a good thing for them, same with nines, they start to feel like it's selfish, you know, or, ooh, I shouldn't be doing this. Actually, it's important to have the Enneagram telling you, no, actually, it's good for you to be, it's good for you to connect with yourself and to get more in touch with who you are. Thank you. Oren. Can you tell us about how you came to understand your Enneagram type and how you see that looking for you? Well, I'm kind of new to the Enneagram. It's only been three or four years, and I can't say that I've done work specifically about it, but the Enneagram has been infused into the place that I work at. Ah. And and there are continuous conversations about it, and there's two men in my life 
Um, one's a one and one's a five. And they both had different opinions about who I am. One was convinced I'm a nine. The other was convinced I'm a seven. Ah. And there was a constant struggle between the two. I mean, <laughs> I noticed it's between them. <laughs> you stayed out of it. <laughs> they don't know each other. <laughs> I love it. And um, Did so they I, let you weigh in? What? Well, <laughs> I wasn't in the, no, they actually don't know each other, but it's all done through me. I see. Um, And I was trying to figure it out, but the more I read about the nine, especially the functions around um, voice and and anger, Mm. it was very clear to me at some point that the way that I approach the world is definitely from the perspective of looking for that harmony. Mm. Some of the ways I do that is by creating plans and bringing joy and being optimistic and making sure the Mm. room is happy. Right. But kind of the driving force is to make sure there is harmony in the world. Right, right. That is really, that's... And nines are very positive. That's definitely a nine trait. But like like you said, it sounds like the focus, the driver, is more about creating harmony. And I grew up as a middle child, gay, in a very macho society. Mm. So it was, for me, when I look back, it was a great coping mechanism. It's Mm. like, okay, let's make sure that everything is in place and that no one knows who I am and Mm. we'll make sure there's Mm -hmm. harmony. It was very much a way to stay safe. Mm -hmm. Blend in. Yes. Mm -hmm. And then as a consequence of that, um, when I was reading about how Nine loses their voice or loses their presence, um, I could see where that was coming from. And that's kind of been core to my work, both my work and myself and my work in my workplace, is about how do I bring myself to be present? That is the ongoing struggle. It's like, okay, so how do I bring myself into a position of leadership, in a position of taking responsibility, in a position of finding my own voice and bringing that into how I work? Right, right. Because everyone's better off, actually, if your voice is in there. Though sometimes it feels like, well, everyone is better off if their voice is in there. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. And that's, I think, what nines really see, you know. <laughs> they really get that. Yeah. And I, I see that when I walk into a room, I mm-hmm. survey the room. Mm-hmm. And I almost can, you know, kind of click people where, you know, now I use the Enneagram as a convenient way. Oh, that's the eight. And I, I can do that mm-hmm. in order to how to do a strategy mm-hmm. if I'm building a team or if I'm creating um some of working relationship, kind of being able to put together that pieces of the puzzle so that mm-hmm. I can orchestrate that it all works together, which mm-hmm. is interesting. It's both kind of the challenge in terms of like I disappear, but at the same time, it's a form of leadership. Yes. And it's a kind of a very powerful form of leadership because it's a way of building kind of a cohesiveness, a kind of a group intelligence yes. that counts in being in tune with what's going around. Mm-hmm. Yes. And you mentioned you're a social nine. And social nines, that's really, uh, they make great leaders exactly because of that. Because they can kind of get people and they're really motivated to harmonize the group, not for their own benefit, right. but for the benefit of the group and the cause. So being, that's, I, I feel that I used to do that a lot more as a way to protect myself, but Mm -hmm. now it's more intention. Mm -hmm. So it also around the question of disagreement and conflict and anger, Mm -hmm. which I actually fired a therapist once because they told me, you should get angry. And I'm like, I don't believe in anger. We shouldn't do anger. I'm leaving. And I got up and left. (laughs) Wow. I was like, no, I'm a Buddhist. I don't get angry. Sounds like like that therapist may have needed to take a more gradual approach. (laughs) 
that was a lot a long time ago, but yeah. that, that fear of anger is yeah. when I was looking at the types, it was very clear that um, definitely in the body nine avoid anger. Yeah. Until this very day, though now I recognize those feelings mm-hmm. and I know what I can do with it. Mm-hmm. So when I feel anger, I'm like, okay, I'm very conscious of that stance. Yeah. So it doesn't manifest maybe. Like my kids, I think they're in their teens and 20s now. Mm-hmm. They've maybe seen me angry once. Wow. Mm-hmm. I do not get angry, mm-hmm. but I have the feelings of anger. Mm-hmm. I know where that comes from. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then it manifests maybe not in the forms of raising voice or mm-hmm. in terms of, uh, of any kind of violent kind of acting mm-hmm. out, mm-hmm. but I'm very much familiar with those feelings. And then I kind of take the stance, what do I do with this? Mm-hmm. And then channel it to a different place. Mm-hmm. And that's where it falls back into the harmony place. Have you, have you seen, have you observed yourself being passive aggressive ever? Does that happen? Uh, <laughs> there's people in the room who are looking at me like, yes. <laughs> but yeah, no. Um, a lot less now. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. over the years, mm-hmm. kind of having um, certain practices mm-hmm. have made me aware of that stance as well. Mm-hmm. So moving away from the stance of passive aggressive and putting it on the table, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. is kind of the culture we built in our workplace. That's great. Is that, okay, I'm aware of that, we'll just put it on the table. That's a good way to put it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. it takes time. Yes. It, it's not usually at the moment that it's happening, it's usually like right. a few hours later. Yeah. And might be in the form of an email, but. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, I have a friend who's a nine and he said he would have arguments with his wife and she would be saying, and you did this and you did this and you did this. And he'd be thinking to himself, wow, that's a really good point. Ooh, that's another really good point. And it was hard. He knew that he didn't want to, you know, agree with her or that it wasn't the whole story or he had a side, but it was hard for him to get in touch with it in the moment and to access anger. What he learned to do, kind of like what you're saying, is learn to say, I'll get back to you in a day. You know, I'll talk to you tomorrow evening. And by then I will have sort of worked to get more in touch with my side of the story. Right now, yours sounds pretty good, but I'm not going to tell you that. (laughs) (laughs) The more I practice it, the more I'm conscious of it, the better I get at it. Yeah. Or in the whole dinner situation, I'm married to a two, so we're between us. Where do you want to go? No, no, where do you want to go? No, where do you (laughs) want to go? That's kind of this endless. But now there's a consciousness. They're like, okay, Mm -hmm. this is this game that we're going to do it. And I have to actually, it's not easy to say where do I want to go to dinner yeah you know I know that like listening to the previous panel it's like there was no ambiguity about that yes and I'm like well how do you know what you want <laughs> yes and, and and they're very certain you know yes. and, and very certain yeah so and I like the way you're saying this because I think it points to kind of the gradual nature that is just the case with growth of being able to learn first to observe what we're doing and then to gradually give yourself a little room to start to do it differently. And I like putting it on the table, sending it in an email, whatever works, you know, to help you get get it out there and recognize that it's important. Great. Thank you. Krista, how does this show up for you? How do you, you see your nine patterns playing out? Uh, <clears throat> So I'll start at the beginning. <laughs> okay. Um, so my parents argued a lot um, and when I was young, and my MO was to duck for cover and um, definitely blend in. Um, can you prompt me with a couple more questions? Sure. So what was it? <clears throat> so, so it sounds like when in conflict, you kind of felt like you had to get away from that. Yeah. And so how do you feel 
about conflict today? Like how how does that how did that sort of shape you in terms of your relationship with conflict? Right. I definitely didn't get angry, but then I found myself in a college relationship. I'm a um, attraction sexual one to one instinct or subtype, and um, and in this particular relationship with a five, uh, when I said you might not be right. We got into argument at least once or twice a month, and I, over the course of the four years, um, pretty much reenacted my parents' relationship. And um, eventually I realized through the Enneagram that I had to ask myself, what do you want, what do you need, and what are you feeling? Although in the last few years I forgot to ask myself what I was feeling, but I definitely um, uh, got angry in the car. Uh, I still get angry in the car (laughs) at other drivers. (laughs) But um, uh, so I'm definitely in touch with my assertiveness over the years uh, and um, needing to reacquaint myself with my feelings. And um, I am an office manager for um, in a 160 employee a company in our office is 44,000 square feet. And for the last um, three years, I've been, my job is to basically make sure everybody is happy. And I, I'm, <laughs> I'm an activities director or fund director, so I plan the fun things for the company too. And that's gone really well. <laughs> I, get, um, I get praised for doing a good job of making sure everybody has got their tea and coffee and everything's organized and planning fun events. Um, and would yeah. you say, are, are you, how, how, what's your experience of anger or lack of anger? Like, what, what is, how does that look? Do you experience yourself getting angry ever, or is, do you see any passive-aggressive behavior? What does that look like? I used to have passive-aggressive, especially in showing up late, late, um, and I didn't ha- I didn't was totally out of touch with my anger for m- much of my life until those relationships, mm-hmm. a couple of them. And now I can access anger, but um, I also wrap it in the context of feelings in general because I think that um, <clears throat> my mo was to bypass feelings, go from the gut to the head, and get cerebral on things. Mm. And <clears throat> I actually um, skipped. I can skip over the feelings entirely and just go straight to anger if I want. But um, assertiveness comes into the play. I don't actually find I need to get angry that much, except for at other drivers. Um, and, and it's convenient because they're not actually in your car with you. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and I'm diplomatic. You're diplomatic, yeah. Nines can be very diplomatic. Which is helpful at, at work. <clears throat> and um, so, yeah, I think um, <clears throat> I think I'm I'm <clears throat> actually sorry my I'm fifth chakra. <clears throat> um, <clears throat> um, let's see. So in the gas station yesterday, um, there are long lines, and the person in front of me didn't notice that there was a space available. F- there's four. Actually, yeah, there's like eight, and you can't see ahead. And so this person from behind came up and took the spot, bypassing her and I, coming from another lane. And I was filling out my tank and getting in touch with my assertiveness in my age, especially. I, I saw her, and I, and I went up to her, and I said, did you pass up everybody? And she goes, well, nobody was taking, I said, and I 
basically told her she needed to tell somebody in line. And I got very, uh, I wasn't afraid to confront her. And wow. I'm not afraid to confront them. The assertive part is dialed in. Is that a new, <laughs> is that a new thing? I think it's accumulated on? over the years. Yeah, I'm 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 very comfortable being assertive, mm -hmm. and that's a, an accomplishment because I definitely was not that in my youth mm -hmm. at all. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. okay. yeah. The next part is is self promotion or you know, yeah. like oh my god, I, this whole dating online thing it freaks me out because I've got to promote myself and I'm terrible at it. Mm -hmm. So I'm like mm -hmm. oh. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but the mm -hmm. assertiveness I've got down, the self-promotion is still... Mm -hmm. That's some sort nah. of standing for who you are. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Thank you. Steve. Me. Um, you and I go way back. We go way back, <laughs> yes. And um, so my first exposure to the Enneagram was in the 1980s mm -hmm. uh, with Dave Daniels and, and company. And mm -hmm. um, I remember, uh, I was pretty sure I was a nine when I read the account and... Um, and I didn't like it, of course, like so many of us don't like it when we see our blind spots. Right. And um, and there was an active panel that was, I was on a panel, and there was a very active panel like the eights were this morning, mm -hmm. right before us. Mm -hmm. And the nines come up on the panel, and suddenly, and I look out there, and everybody's kind of falling asleep, doodling, <laughs> you know. I mean, this sleep thing is confectious. <laughs> Uh, so um, that was my first experience of oh yes we we are all we are all in the same boat and um, so so anger's been of course a um, you know a major issue and I was I, I remember this just even this morning these patterns are so durable I'm 73 years old I've been doing this for 40 years yes, and and they're very durable this morning when the eights were up there and you know. They were taking up so much space, not, not to mention oxygen, and I'm feeling short of breath. <laughs> I'm going, wow, that's amazing. I know they're my shadow, and I know I should like them, but whoa. <laughs> and really, it's not just anger either. It's excitation. And well, it's, it's the energy. Assertion. It's like it's they energy. have big energy, it's, and yes. nines can kind of sort of not take up their own space. Exactly. When I was I was the youngest of three, mm -hmm. and it was an extroverted family, very social, mm -hmm. not me, and so I learned to go along to get along, mm -hmm. and that was my fixed pattern. Mm -hmm. And I married a nine at age 23, mm -hmm. and the two of us completely went asleep to our anger until seven years later, the seven-year anger itch. Um, <laughs> It all exploded, and of course the relationship was over. Wow. Then I married this lovely uh, four over here, mm -hmm. who didn't have a problem with anger, <laughs> and I learned to fight. Yeah, yeah. The relationships are powerful in our development, yes. and especially with the tool of the enneagram to help yes. us along with that. You're listening to a TNS episode from day one of our enneagram panel workshop series with Beatrice Chestnut and Michael Lerner. So I have to tell you the one I so we were both on panels back in 1994 at the yeah. Stan, first International Enneagram right. conference right. at Stanford University and I was on the 2 panel you were on the 9 panel and I vividly remember something you said on that panel which What's is that? Related, which is what it was I you hope said, it's not the same thing <laughs> you said that the 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 Enneagram helped you and you thought it saved your marriage and yes. you remembered one time when you and your wife were having a big fight and she was a 4 and you didn't know what to do. 
Um, right. You didn't know how to deal with this. And so you picked up an Enneagram book to Helen see what Palmer's. it said, Helen Palmer's book. And it said, and it said, what do I do as a nine? And it said, weather the storm. <laughs> and you said, I can do that. <laughs> yeah, and there it yeah. was. There it was. And yes. I remembered that for all time because I think uh, it was it was such a beautiful description of how you use relationship as a path and yes. how you sort of realize, oh yeah, I can I can do that because nines yeah. can be very strong and I don't think they get enough credit for how much energy they do have. It's just that they it disperses. Yeah. Right, you know, eights yeah. are really good at sort of holding the energy and, and being yeah. very direct with yeah. it. Yeah. Nines have a lot of energy. It's just that they don't sort of kind of bring it in for themselves. Well, you know, the thing is, we're leaky. We're yes. leaky buckets. Yes. Yeah, um, yeah. Energy comes in really easily, yeah. so you know we're good at picking up subtle energies, yeah. and and we pick up this strong energy really strongly. I had to go out and go for a walk after this morning, and I was a on a walk with Annika, and it's um, a bit of the merging. Yeah. No. No. Well, what, do you, what do you mean? With, the, with like feeling the energy, like really taking on some of the big energy, but also oh yeah. being a little bit yeah, like... It, it, it penetrates. Yeah, it yeah, penetrates. yeah. It's not your usual thing. No. Yeah. So I went out for a walk with Annika, and, you know, she's big energy too. And at a certain point I said, I have to be alone for a while. You walk back. I need some time alone in the forest. Uh-huh. This is literally it. This is where I put myself back together, uh-huh. where, I, where I say, okay. Get silent. Look, look at the trees. Hear the surf. Oh yeah, I'm me. Coming back to you. Coming back to yeah. me. It's Beautiful. such an essential feeling. Yes. And, and I know that with the practice of the Enneagram, I can feel it. I know it. I know that there's more light coming out mm-hmm. through this particular lens, mm-hmm. and there's more light coming in. Mm-hmm. And it's um, it's been a great gift, mm-hmm. tremendous gift. That's great. Keep Beautiful. going. <laughs> Keep going. With Thank it. you, Steve. Thank you. Jill, so how, how did you see yourself as in, in the Enneagram 9, and how does it look for you? Well, I love being with you all. It's, it's such a relief in a way. <laughs> 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 and um, I, I had not done any psychotherapy or anything when I moved to Berkeley in the 80s, and um, my daughter's boyfriend's mother was a student of Helen Palmer's, and she said, go see these panels. And so I went every week for nine weeks, mm-hmm. and she started with ones. And, and then when she got to nine, she said, now, if you thought you were everybody else except maybe eights, you're a nine. <laughs> <laughs> and it was true, because every night I was, oh, well, maybe I could see, I could, you know, I could relate to just about everybody. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the edge for me has been um, picking the right people in a certain way to relate to. I mean, I've my my mother was an eight. I it was a crazy childhood. I married an, an an eight and had a relationship with an seven eight. I don't know what after that. And and I would lose myself regularly and not be able to stand up to these powerful forces and a lot of anger in both my major relationships. And um, so I had I just couldn't couldn't express mine mm-hmm. I wasn't didn't felt feel safe and mm-hmm. and um, and I you know as I did things fell apart mm-hmm. uh, so um, I am a sexual nine I mean I I, I love one on one connection I have deep friendships 
I'm not so happy in the social, the big social setting, a small social setting is all right. Mm -hmm. um, and I do have some self-pres because I have had a lot of health issues, so I'm kind of obsessive about keeping my body in good shape and, you know, doing everything. So there's, there's that piece. Mm -hmm. um, but the sexual orientation is, is really... Yeah, and it's, yeah. it's easiest for the sexual nine to lose themselves. Yes. And I have... You know, I, I live alone, and I've lived alone a lot of my life, actually, and, um, and, and I know that my merging with spirit is really, when you said that, that's, that, that's the truth. I mean, I've, I have that incredible gift of knowing that and experiencing that, and that's where the oneness is. And it doesn't mean I don't share with, with my friends, but here is where it's at, you know, and here is everywhere. Mm -hmm. um, so the, the merging piece is, is um, something I have to work with with my kids. Mm -hmm. And um, Thank you. my Give daughter's a big teacher for me. What that looks like maybe with well, your kids? Well, uh, my daughter is, I think, a, a one, although she doesn't like to think about it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and she's, you know, she, we're very close and, and um, I irritate her and um, and I think that I'm very much affected by her reaction to me, mm -hmm. which may be annoyance or um, frustration. It's it's hard for me. I think it's hard for a lot of mothers like mm -hmm. that, but I, I, I really take it um, mm -hmm. in pretty deeply. Mm -hmm. So I have to go back to myself and, and, and uh, come home. Right, right. Remember to come back inside yourself yeah. and ground yourself in your yeah. experience, even your physical experience. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, any relationship I have, I just want to jump in and get, you know, really get to know that person. I mean, mm -hmm. I love the depth of connection. I, I, and, and then I have to come home again. I have to just keep coming like you did today. Mm -hmm. Yeah, beautiful. So Thank you. Mm -hmm. Well said. Matt. Hi. Matt, um, tell us about your experience of nine. You've taught me a lot about nine. <laughs> I'm a self-preservation nine. To, I think I'm the only one. Is that right on the panel? It sounds like, yeah. Yeah, I can hold it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank um, God for you. So similar, I've known Enneagram for 20 years, and I you know, thought I might be a one for a while and related to every type except for eight. And, uh, and then I was like, no, that's, I'm a nine. Okay, I get it. Um, my mom was a, probably a social nine. My dad was a sexual one. And so there's just a, my mom kept the peace in the house. And I learned early, I was, I'm the youngest of four, that keeping the peace is the way to go. That mm. don't stand out, don't be too, don't do anything bad, certainly, but don't even be too good, really. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like safely in the middle. Like that's where we want. Like lost in the crowd. Yeah. Lost in the crowd is good. Lost in the crowd's really good. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, um, I got mad yesterday, so maybe I'll talk about that. Um, Please, yes. <laughs> I'm a, I'm a <laughs> it was actually pretty fun. Um, and this I, is someone who's worked on himself a lot, yeah. Uh, so I'm a, I'm a psychotherapist, and I'm in my psychotherapy office, and uh, there's two other psychotherapists in my suite, and I'm the master tenant of that. And the, across the hall, this startup left, and the new people are coming in, and they're doing all this construction. Uh -oh. And I'm mad. It's like it's loud, it's it's messy, it's dusty, and so I go over there and I'm like, 
what's going on? And um, and as I'm doing this, I'm like, oh, I'm mad. And, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, this is not okay. And, and uh, they, they're like, oh, you need to talk to that guy, okay. And um, and I'm like, well, when's the noise going to stop? And they're like, oh, we only have like 30 minutes. I'm like, all right, fine. My next session's at one, then no more noise. Yes. Okay. So we're fine. Go back to my office. A little while later, the door across the from my office is open and all the dust is coming out and the mess and they're like, I'm like, not okay. Not okay. And I'm like expressing my anger. And now the, like the foreman comes up and she's kind of, she's probably an eight. And, uh, (laughs) and I'm like, this is not acceptable. And she like, I could see her take a deep breath and they're talking and I'm like, I'm feeling my anger and I'm like noticing that she's calm. And I'm like, thank you for being calm while I'm angry. (laughs) Did did you actually say that? (laughs) Yes. Yes. And, um, and she's like, well, I'm a, I'm a certified asbestos remover. And it just so happens 30 years ago, I was an asbestos remover for my summer job. And I'm like, well, I am too. And so we both know that you're doing a terrible job of containing the dust. (laughs) And she's like, well, okay, yeah, kind (laughs) of. And so so they agreed to, like, the guy from upstairs came down and he, like, shook my hand. I'm like, hi. He goes, I'm I'm your neighbor. This is my company. I'm like, great. I'm like, what are we going to do about this? And he's like, well, what time are you done today? I'm like, 8 o'clock. He's like, are you working tomorrow? No. It's like, we can come back tomorrow. Great. And so they shut it down and left. And it was it was uh, no more mess. Wow. They cleaned it up. And, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And yeah. Yeah, it was really fun. That's like, a I, great I got, story. Yeah, I got to express my anger. I wasn't. And it sounds um, like you did it really well. Yeah. And there's like a few times in the where I, could, I was checking myself. I'm like, okay, I'm angry. And it's okay. Yeah. You know, like I could, like normally uh, while I'm getting angry, I need to stop or I need to, uh, I need to relate to this person make sure they mm-hmm. like me or keep things harmonious. But this case, I was like, no, you, I was like, they're reacting to me and that's fine. Yeah. Like, wow. Like, I, like I need this. They're going to do this for me. It's okay. So was it before and after? Can you tell us the story about a, a several years ago <laughs> when you were working with an eight and you got angry in what they said? <laughs> Yeah, I was uh, I was doing a um, an Enneagram presentation, the workshop with an eight and a three, and we were doing our last minute like run through of all of our presentation slides, right? And there's something on the slide that I didn't like, and I was like, oh wait, stop! Like let's go back to that. Like that word needs to be. And she's like, oh, I don't, I don't think we need to change that. And the three's like, no, it's fine, keep going. I'm like, no, like let's cha- that. That's not blah, blah 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 blah. Like we need to change that word. And she goes, okay. And he's the three's like, yeah, fine. And so um, she changed the word. She goes to the next slide, and then she's like, Matt, were you just angry? And I was like, yeah. And she goes, that was really cute. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 So can you tell us, now that you've told us like some very great stories about actually getting angry, can you tell us any experiences or how how a nine's passive aggressive shows up or passive resistance? Like what behaviors have you maybe engaged in when you weren't so good at, when you hadn't developed this skill? Um, well, if somebody's asking me to do something that I don't, I really don't want to do and I know that they really, really want me to do it, um, a lot of times I'll just say, yeah, okay. 
and uh, but I've no intention of doing it. Right. You know, it's kind of like yeah. like you know, if if things unfold in the right way, maybe I can do that. You know, but mm-hmm. like a just to, I don't want to have the conversation of no and mm-hmm. set up the boundary and, and like you know. So you say yes, but inside you really mean no, and you really don't do it. Right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a great example. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And this is where I should say it doesn't happen anymore, but of course it happens. <laughs> <laughs> it just happens right now. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's great. Yeah. That's great. Okay. Yeah. Um, one more thing I want to ask you about because this is something you said that I thought was. You know all my greatest hits. I do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We've known each other a while and taught together, and I've seen you on panels, and you're one of my favorites. Um, at, but I do you know another one of your greatest hits is you told me once that. You know, nines often have trouble making decisions. Yeah. Um, and can you tell us why that is? And then I'll tell you what you said that was I thought was really oh. brilliant. Well, like sort of in the way that, you know, when nines learn the Enneagram, they can see the, the they can relate to each of the nine types. Um, and the way, like, as my parents didn't want me standing out or, like, I, like, being in the middle is good. So it's really, and if everything in the world is equal, like, if I'm this, like, egalitarian person and I see all people are equal and all things are equal, when I look at my, my to-do list, it's all the same. Like, how do I know which is more important? How do you prioritize? How do I prioritize? How do I really understand that? Especially because how you might know is what's important to right. you. Yeah, and getting inside. And that's and nines of, get disconnected right. from what they, and so sometimes it's like if you ask a nine what do you want they'll say I don't know right yeah, yeah that's because there's the like thing. not a and what I when I worked with when I've worked with nines I've said well I think inside deep inside you do know but right. you've lost touch with that yeah absolutely yeah yeah right so what did, what brilliance did I say so so what you said was <laughs> one time uh, you said that when you were trying to decide like say what path you wanted to take or what job you wanted to take or what you wanted to do you said one of the things that you realized is you needed to experience something yeah. before you could decide. Definitely. And yeah. that's a body type thing. Totally. It's not about thinking, imagining it. It's not about well, how do I feel about this. Yeah. It's experience. Yeah, and sometimes it's, it can be as simple as like, oh, I maybe I should go do this. And I get up and I like am starting to go do whatever that and I'm like, no, I'm gonna do that. But it's like being in motion to had a direction when I realize this doesn't feel right. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna go this other direction instead. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Beautiful. Yeah. Thank you. Okay, so now I want to ask you all, coming back this way, and maybe you can start, Matt. Um, I want to say, like, what, what do you think is a particular strength, but especially what's been uh, a growth path for you? Like, what blind spots or challenges um, have he- helped you grow? And you might actually, since I know, Matt, you're an Enneagram expert in your own right, maybe you could talk a little bit about the laziness as, as the passion and the right action as the uh, high side or the virtue. Yeah, you said earlier that energy of nine is kind of dispersed, and I think that's right. Like if you, if if um, everything is flooded two inches, it's still a lot of water. Right. But it's uh, it's so it's, dispersed. You don't. It's not. Feel it's not it. like a waterfall. Right. Yeah. yeah. So so gathering it up it can be really important. Um, there's I. I tend to feel a lot of external pressure on me, like I should be doing something, or that that mm-hmm. comes into my own psyche, like my own inner critic of, oh, well, you should. And to be able to um, let go of that and just be like, well, maybe I don't have to. Or mm-hmm. like to let let myself connect to my own body 
in order to take action mm. versus trying to find a different way to take action, mm-hmm. like through some like belief or cognition or like my to-do list or whatever. It's like, or, or what other people want or other me to people do. Wanting me, well, yeah, what they want me to do. Mm-hmm. And to really find my own path has been about um, not checking it out with other people, mm-hmm. not checking it out. Like, do you think this is good for me or not? You know, but like, mm-hmm. no, this is what I, this is what I want. Mm-hmm. And so like, yeah, and that's really about coming inside in a really intentional way and being okay with myself at a deep level right, to right. accept myself as I am. Right, um, right, right. And and the sloth part of the laziness isn't normal, what we think of as laziness. It's laziness to being in touch with oneself. Yeah. It's like a going to sleep to oneself. And in that way, nines are prototypes for all of us. Yeah. You know, the human condition is one where we go to sleep to ourselves and our, our deeper experience or our higher potential. And so nines are the prototype for us, like waking themselves up and kind of coming back to sort of gathering in that energy and being much more in touch with what do I want, how do I feel physically, emotionally, and how can I take action in in service of what I want instead of in service of harmony of the group or getting along with you or not making you angry? Um, You've probably heard this story before, (laughs) but this was a story of me on a meditation retreat. When I, I was, uh, it was my very, very first meditation retreat, like fifth, it was right after 2001, like right after 9-11, um, it, like literally a week and a half, like I go to my first meditation retreat. And um, on my first interview, like so two days in, my first interview with the, the teacher, I, I said, well, I keep falling asleep and I'm trying everything that I know how to try. I'm biting my tongue, I'm splashing water in my face, I'm going for a walk, I'm sleeping at, at the walking meditation instead. Like I've done everything in the manual to do um, and I go in there and all I can do, all, all that happens is I fall asleep. And my Buddhist teacher in his very Buddhist way said, Matt, what you're experiencing is called sleepiness. <laughs> 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 and I said, yeah. <laughs> and he said, well, what you're also experiencing is a version to your sleepiness. You're feeling, you're experiencing a version to your sleepiness. So maybe, so the next time you go in, uh, when you sit down and you like are paying attention, when you're observing yourself, find the sleepiness. Notice when it arises. Like, understand it. Like, like really go into it. Don't avoid it. Don't try to stop it. Like, know it. You're going to experience sleepiness throughout your life. Know your sleepiness. Know its temperature. Know its, like, does it have a vibration? Does it, is it solid? Is it loose? Like, what is it? Like, really go into it. And so that's what happened. Uh, my next, and this is the only time it's ever happened in my life. But I went in, and I, like, oh, there it is. And I was with it, and I was with it. And just, like, it kept, I didn't fall asleep. Uh, my attention was growing. My energy was growing. It Like, my whole inside of my body, at one point, I had to touch the ground because I was having that floating experience. Mm-hmm. And I was like, no, it's not me floating. It's the energy, just, like, a rainforest inside my body flowing down, mm-hmm. flowing through it. I'm like, that's what's sleeping. Like, there's, it's energy. Like there's yeah. there's energy like like the sloth is uh, energy and so like being open to it not being afraid of it mm-hmm. like really release something powerful beautiful yeah right being with it and in your own energy yeah 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 and, and my teaching partner likes to say that right action that nines aren't they aren't lazy and that they don't not do things. They say, he said they take, they do a lot of actions, just not the right one, <laughs> you know, and they do all actions except the right one. Mm. And so it's important to allow yourself to 
exactly like you said, Rick, get really in tune with your own experience. Yeah, yeah, and like not be afraid of sloth. Like, like yes. there's there's so much wisdom in it if you turn towards it. Yes, yeah. yes, because it's what's true for you in the yeah, moment. Right. Beautiful. Thank you. So, Jill, can you say uh, in a, maybe a, a strength that you have, but especially what's helped you grow as a nine? What 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 challenges or experiences? Well, it, it's fundamentally trusting my own knowing um, instead of looking out there for somebody else's opinion. Mm-hmm. It, it's been a difficult process, but I, I'm I'm pretty good at it now. Beautiful. And the other piece is um, that noticing when I'm have a should, the shoulds come in. I should be like this person, I should be like that mm-hmm. person, I should be da 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 whatever. And mm-hmm. just noticing the word as soon as I can and mm-hmm. coming back to myself. And the other thing is uh, waiting for the knowing to come through because mm-hmm. it doesn't come quickly like Oren said. You know, I, I have to, it may take me a day, a day to come back to somebody or come back to myself and really understand something. It, it, I'm, it takes a while for the body, for, it, for the knowing to come through yes. the body. Right, right, exactly. And a strength, yeah. what would you say is a big strength of yours? A strength is, um, I feel like my strength is my love. Mm, beautiful. Yeah. That's the holy idea, yeah. I believe. Beautiful. Yeah. Thank you. Wow, that's, a, that's very beautiful, and I resonate with that very deeply. Um, I'm, I'm I'm a hospice physician, and so I sit at the bedside a lot. And um, to me, there's a lot of right action in that. Yeah, it's a it's the right thing to do for this culture to not deny death. Yes, it's the right thing to do to offer simple home-based, non-technological interventions mm-hmm. in the home, not in the hospital mm-hmm. so much. And that's what everyone wants. Um, so there's a lot of right action in it. Mm-hmm. But in addition to that, um, you just can't go to sleep when you're sitting next to someone who's dying. Wow. You just cannot let yourself. If you do, then you have to stop. Wow. So it, it's not a it's not something I tell myself anymore. It's just there. The well, you're in right there. action. Right. I think when you're in right action, there yeah. is no sleep. Yeah. No, no. And um, the nine's wonderful virtue is this ability to connect. Yeah. This ability to put yourself in another person's shoes. And I can't tell you how reassuring that is to the person that's facing this scary transition. Yeah. Um, There's an unselfishness in, yes, the, in what yes, you do. yes. Um, and I share this with some absolutely wonderful colleagues. Mm. And, um, and what I took, <laughs> the, the theme of love has been very strong for me because my original understanding of love was sort of the romantic understanding of love. You know, one person, the fusion thing. Yeah. One and one makes one. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've known that. But it, let's, it's wonderful and it's limited. You're listening to a TNS episode from day one of our Enneagram panel workshop series with Beatrice Chestnut and Michael Lerner. Um, The sense of love that I've had with the people that I work with, patients, families, and colleagues, um, is quite beyond that kind of love. It's a a true oneness. It's a oneness of all of us. uh, A patient of mine who just died recently, he said, I'm not very religious, but I believe in ripples. Wow. And, and that image was like, just hit me like a ton of bricks, is that 
Ripples in what? It's in the oneness mm-hmm. that we all are living in. It's we're each an individual wave, but we re re enter the oneness. Right. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So this um, that's the strength of the nine is to be able to um, be in that person's experience, get it deeply. Yes. I'm sure you do that a lot, Matt. And um, yeah. Um, and and the right action, taking it outside. Right. Beautiful. Thank you. Um, my, my tools for growth are pretty mundane. I started, um, because I know how to disassociate and check out from my childhood. Um, my first tool was telling myself in every conversation I had for a year, um, are you paying attention? Show up, be 100% present. And every single conversation, that was my, my tape. Are you, are you present? Show up 100% like this, right? And then finally I breathed that and I got good at that and I can do that. And then um, and then at work, for example, I have a priorities. I, I ask myself, I tell myself, okay, what's your priority today? And I look at my list. I'm, I'm, I know I have to keep on myself about my priorities, like mundane priorities. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and... That's the kind of asking yourself, what's what's more important to me or what's most important to me? Almost like a practice, like you're saying, remind yourself, like, what's more important to me? What goes first? I think that's what goes first, something yeah. that simple can be very good and very important practice. Yeah. And then, and then as far as the self-forgetting piece, I, I ask myself frequently, okay, what do you want? What do you need? And it's usually tangible sort of self-prezzy stuff, food, heat, you know, I'm checking in with myself. Um, and so, yeah, getting good at that <laughs> to the point of uh, nausea, like, oh, God, girl, <laughs> you're becoming really self-absorbed. Um, and uh, it's sort of not being in a relationship for the last three years has been really freeing. So it's given me a lot more energy to put into to myself and to, to work and to really um, – putting the attention on myself like because I hadn't I I got I I didn't merge with other in relationship um I didn't I just um went invisible yeah I was going to say the way you describe it it's almost like an erasing yourself like like disappearing yeah I kind of went on um I went on my own program but I went on like I didn't need attention Uh like I didn't because I wasn't used to, I didn't feel like I was used to getting it from my father. Well, I wasn't used to getting it from my father, so mm-hmm. it was perfectly comfortable for me. Mm-hmm. So, ne- so just being in my own um, independence has been really nice because mm-hmm. I get to put the spotlight on me mm-hmm. for myself. Mm-hmm. And um, and now I think that if I get into a relationship, then it would be one plus one equals two. Yeah. Not one plus one equals I disappear and then there's one. Right. <laughs> right. Right. Because you've had this practice for a long time of putting the attention on you in all these different ways. Yeah. And that's been really um, wonderful, mm-hmm. actually. Uh, and uh, I think that in my job, I've become a, a, the threeness part where mm. <clears throat> um, I have a very public job. So I, I, circulate to people I find out the pulse of the company what's what's working I I'm emails go to the entire company from me so I'm pretty visible and um, I'm also in my have been in the last three-ish years very productive like mm-hmm. like this isn't about uh, 
inertia. I've been like on it, getting shit done. Yes, like, and, um, and three is the arrow against, which is the first place after doing your nine work to, that it's really helpful for nines to go. Yeah. Going against the arrow, becoming more, being more on the spotlight, you said, yeah. you know, kind of uh, allowing yourself to be more aware of your identity and self-promote a little more, be on stage, be visible, and, mm-hmm. and even enjoy that mm-hmm. and, and being more active and getting things done and being seen for the good things that you do. It sounds yeah. like you're doing a lot of that at your job. Yeah, it's been great. And it hasn't taken away from the nine diplomacy and then mm-hmm. the nine, like, everybody happy, um, getting along with everybody. So that doesn't disappear with being really productive. Beautiful, yeah. Uh, And that's when you know you're using three well, you know, is you're tapping into that in a conscious way to to balance you out and expand. Yeah, I really feel like my engines were on, like, like, all right, I've kind of arrived at this really awesome place. That's great. Yeah. Beautiful. um, Thank you so much. Yes. It's a lot of it. Oren. So what would you say, or maybe some of your strengths, although you've spoke, you spoke to those before, and what's, how have you grown knowing with the knowledge that you're nine? What challenges have you met? A question that I've been asking since I was in my mid-20s is about intuition. Hmm. And what is the role of intuition? And how do you educate the intuition? Hmm. I like that question. And um, somehow I ended up, following a very strong aid into um, working in the art world. Mm. And in part of that, it was about um, facilitating conversations about art mm. and then realizing how, if you create a safe space as the nine, mm-hmm. um, people tap into their intuition. Ah, uh-huh. So it was this kind of mirror for myself. Okay, where am I when I'm looking at this painting? When, mm. Where am I when I'm walking around the museum? Where is that intuitive voice coming? Mm. So there has been a lot of cultivation of my intuition. Beautiful. Um, which has been critical for kind of doing what I'm doing. I've been in leadership positions since I was 25. I ran right. my first organization then, hmm. always asking myself the questions like, why did they choose me? <laughs> that is such a beautiful social nine statement. Social nines get drafted into positions of leadership because of their natural ability in doing all the things you've said, creating safe space for people, and again, in this unselfish way. And there's often this thing of, why me? You know, And it's hard to see the really positive thing that you bring to that kind of job. And I think being aware, I mean, the... Being a social nine is a new awareness, mm-hmm. but being aware of the nine helped answer that question. Yeah. And part of it is being able to tap into intuition and voice and how do I hold space? How, yeah. What does leadership mean to me? Right. And it's another way. It's a, I like the intuition idea because what it, in order to get in touch with one's intuition, you need to be connected to yourself. Right and your higher self and leave room for that. And so I love that that was, it sounds like that was a way in for you to really ask the question of how do I make a deep connection to myself so my own inner wisdom and knowing comes forth. And like you're saying, also providing that for other people at the same time. The lucky thing about doing it with art is that it is ambiguous. There's so many ways you can look at it. There's no wrong answer. Yes. There's a lot of acceptance, really. Actually, the more far mm-hmm. out your statement is, the more people think you're smart. So, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. it was a very safe space yes. to kind of explore that intuition. Yeah. So I, I would say that is where knowing my type helped. Um, the 
it's the struggle is still there. Mm -hmm. I mean, kind of trying to trust my intuition with my to-do list doesn't go as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So the to-do list is like, there's things that are fixed on it that mm -hmm. I do not do. Mm -hmm. And usually it's things that somebody else wants me to do their way. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so well they somehow, said. I have my to-do list and I have mm -hmm. those things that are like the, the ones that I do not want mm -hmm. to go to. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And that's a struggle. And, and what I've learned about myself is that when I do that, there's a deep sense of relief. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right? So it's like, because yeah. it often is the right thing. Yes, it's the right so there's action. A, there's, I, I yeah. feel this kind of like, and it's this interesting dance of like, if you just wrote that damn board report, you'd be so happy. Right. <laughs> and I still haven't written it. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Yeah, it's a good, it's to being in that struggle can be important too. Thank you, that's really clear. So Delia, tell us what some of the things that you've done, worked on to grow. Or... Hmm. Well, I'm thinking about in my work as a psychotherapist, um, I do a lot of couples therapy. It's something I really love. And one of the hardest things at the beginning of my career was being with couples who were actively fighting with each other because I would just leave my body. I mean, it was so intense and hard for me to stay present. But um, I've gotten to the point where it's really one of my favorite things to do because mm -hmm. I, can, I can use my nine abilities to like deeply... Um, mind read basically i mean i mm. intuit what's going on mm. in each person and 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 am able to use that capacity to translate to the other to the partner so that there can be peace and there can be harmony and then i feel good you know <laughs> so, <laughs> um, but yeah, i mean it, it is it's so gratifying to be able to be mm -hmm. able to help people love each other i mean like mm -hmm. what a, it's like, like such a beautiful mm -hmm. spiritual you know i feel like i'm doing a mitzvah it's wonderful mm -hmm. um, and and I've, I've said often that my superpower as a therapist is like, bring me your wound and I will love it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, yes. But the thing yes. that I think about um, nines, you know how the idea is that if, if there's a nine in the group, that somehow everything kind of chunks into place, like somebody's holding it down. They may not be saying anything, they may not be mm -hmm. doing anything mm -hmm. overt, but... In my, you know, I really believe in working with more and more with energetic fields that we're doing a lot more than we know we're doing. Yes. And that we are in fact, I mean, Matt, I loved your story about the meditation retreat mm -hmm. because I think that there's a way that we are kind of metabolizing something mm -hmm. for the group at a really profound level mm -hmm. that um, I used to believe when I would feel impacted by other people's feelings because I was, you know, losing touch with myself, that I was just crazy. You know, there was just something wrong with me because I was feeling all these things and what, you know, ugh, mm -hmm. so chaotic. But being able actually to differentiate and to release so that I recognize that you know, there is a certain degree of boundary. I mean, at one level, we all are the oneness, so there is no boundary. But um, that when I can recognize, oh, I'm feeling that person's feeling, yeah. then I can 
I can stop taking responsibility for it. I can stop personalizing it. I can stop identifying with it. And then I can work with it. Right. It's like permeability, you know, and you can get lost in that or overwhelmed by it or or take it on when you shouldn't. Or, like you're saying, in learning to be a good therapist, you can create a way of really, really getting someone to the point where you can really, really help them and yes. hold them. And often that's through love. Yes. You know, yeah, yeah. Well, (laughs) this has been a beautiful panel. I think everyone's saying something really profound and it all fits together. But um, uh, I just want to point out to you, Steve, I don't think anyone in here is asleep. So (laughs) I think, yeah, I think, I think you've, uh, you, you've, been right in there at the eights when, with keeping everyone on the edge of their chair. Even after lunch. Even after lunch. So any questions from, yeah. Yeah, so you said something that I really related to, which was, I'm a nine, and i uh, so connected with this experience of feeling like you get swept up into an experience because somebody else really wants that to be happening, and you're like, yeah. whoa, <laughs> okay, great. You seem to have a strong opinion about that. And then later I become a little bit resentful because yeah. nobody consulted me about whether... Right, right. <laughs> and it's like, well, you could have said something at any time, but I didn't realize it was not something I wanted until I was in it. And right. so I wonder if you share <laughs> if you share that experience and how you sort of extract yourself. Like, because then I get into that and then my empathy kicks in and I'm like, oh my God, of course this person would think that I'm totally into what's happening because I never said anything so I can't possibly take myself out of it now because that's unfair of me right. because I didn't say something else. like it's really get wrapped right. up so I wonder if you've had that experience or you find yourself whether it's professional or personal a relationship a project whatever it is and and how you have worked with waking up on the front end of that process of getting swept away into something that's how I experience yeah. it. Is like yeah, yeah, yeah. Getting carried along with someone else's agenda and then realizing down the road you didn't really agree to it. I don't think I really wanted this. And so, what do you, how, have you had that experience and how have you dealt with that? I will say absolutely. And, um, and awareness and practice, which is what you're doing, yeah. right? I mean, you are noticing, you are waking up to it, and every time you do it, it's another chance to practice doing it a little bit better. Yeah. Right? And so do you say something? like? But yes, I mean, speak up for yourself. And you can do it diplomatically because you're a nine, right? <laughs> so, so, you know, and you can do it empathically because the other, per- you know, you can probably have an intuition about what the other person wants or needs from you or how you got yourself into it. Like the story of like, oh, that's a really good point, you know? So yeah. you can use that too. Uh-huh. Right. You can always say, you know, it didn't occur to me until just now that this isn't really working for me. Yeah. You know, and again, I think sometimes nines, and I feel this way too as a two, it's like we don't give ourselves permission to find a way to communicate what we need to communicate and not worry so much about how it's going to be received and sort of trust that, hey, maybe the person can handle it. If you say, hey, you know, I'm sorry, I should have said something earlier. It didn't occur to me until just now, but I really, I don't really want to go forward with this. You know, but again, that my friend Matt taught me that even feedback can feel like conflict for a nine. Mm-hmm. You know, and so again, I think practice and and sort of having a lot of compassion for yourself that that something it's it may sound simple as I'm saying it, but it's not easy. You know, yeah, yeah. yeah. Other question, yeah. Yeah, I'm an eight. And my wife's a nine. This is not my wife. By the way. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Anyways. 
occasionally she will come up and make a unilateral decision on, on, on something that I had no idea what it was about. This has to be done by a certain date. And, and I'll try to negotiate. And I mean, nines can be so stubborn at some time. How, I'm asking for advice. How do I, you know, I'm a frustrated eight. How do I negotiate with a stubborn nine? Okay, any, anyone want to say? Matt, do you want, Steve, Matt, yeah. I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it sounds to me like in that situation, you, your your wife has gone through a big process to get there. To that get you to, may not have seen. To get there's like a, to get to that strong position. This position, like I have to, I can't give up this position. You know, and the mediator in me is always like, when there's a position, there's an underlying interest. So try to understand what the underlying interests are, because if you can if you shift the the conversation down into the interest, there's a lot of flexibility about like how do we get this interest met and then you can also ask where did i miss this like like how long has this been going on like, like did i do anything that caused you to like not include me in your decision making process because I, I would like to be in yeah because my guess is and you tell me if i'm right or wrong about this matt is that there may be a way that there is something you doing that was pissing her off and she wasn't saying it for a long period of time and she gets to the point where okay now I just need to kind of put my foot down and say this isn't gonna... so again like he's saying there's a lot underground that you may not have seen mm -hmm. and I find when I've worked with nines and in couples counseling the nine will often say I really like to be asked questions mm -hmm. right so if you can say get curious okay. you know instead of maybe angry or reactive but sort of like well, okay, can you tell me how you came to this decision or how you're feeling about this issue or why do you why do you want to do it that and you could say, okay, I'm open to, I'm open to hearing how you want to do it, but can you tell me more? Um, and ask specific questions to evoke that underground story that may have been going on for a while that you may not know anything about because again, she the, the anger may have been growing. First, she may not have noticed she was angry. Seven seconds, she may have noticed she was angry, but she didn't want to say anything or couldn't say anything. So I think if you ask a lot of questions to try to open up the space, kind of like Matt saying, to what's really going on beneath, how is she really feeling? What might she have been angry about? For And the good thing about you is, you can welcome her anger, oh, yeah. and that will be great for her. And if you can say, hey, it sounds like you may have been mad about this for a while. Tell me more about that. You know, Tell me the story of how this anger evolved. Um, and, and even if she says something that she didn't like that you did, kind of get interested in that. Like, oh, what, what didn't you like about that? You know, The more you can sort of be open and curious and welcoming of her anger, the better it might go. Uh, a funny story about an eight and a nine. We, we were out traveling and we went to Kings Canyon. And me being eight, we're going to go here, we're going to go here, we're going to do this, and we're going to do that. And my wife's walking around happy, not saying a word. And finally I'm saying, well, okay, it's time now, it's three o'clock, uh, we're going to Yosemite now. And she turned around to me and said, hell no, we're not leaving this place. And anyway, so we came, <laughs> the vacation is all over, and everybody's asking how this vacation went. And I'm saying, you wouldn't believe what Joni said. She came out one time and told me, hell no. We are, you know, we're not leaving. And 
she was so surprised. That's all I could say about this. Two <laughs> <laughs> she put a and, and came up with something to an eight. Yes. I said, this is what I like to hear from you all the time. That's great. Yeah. That's great. And yeah. if you encourage her and give her positive reinforcement yeah. for things like that, that's going to be a relief to her, even if she can't do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, my mother was a nine, and and I it took a long time for me to understand that she kind of colluded in us ignoring her in a certain way. Mm. And I and I can kind of hear between what you're saying that that that's kind of how it works. Mm -hmm. And but it, but it was when I read that it was like she's been dead for a while and so you know it was like mm -hmm. a little bit freeing to me because I certainly felt very guilty mm -hmm. about mm -hmm. my relationship with her but then it's like oh she was colluding and not right. Uh, I think know. that's a good way to put it, and I think we all do that to some degree. I think nines tend to feel overlooked and unimportant in childhood, and then, like all of us, we all do to ourselves what was done to us. Yeah. And so then they like make themselves unimportant, and they don't. They assume they'll be overlooked, and so sometimes they don't speak up. Yeah. Um, and yet, it's a painful thing, I think, for some some nines. Anyone want to say anything on that? On on sort of maybe how you you. Uh, participate in some on some level of not of, of making yourself unimportant or what to do about that well I, <laughs> hmm. uh, well well if the gift is harmony and then the uh, distortion of that is blending into the point of self-forgetting as a defense mechanism uh, which I did then <clears throat> it's really about the assertiveness and I think that it was you know it was her it was her um, place of comfort and yeah. as a, a part of the defense mechanism employed to protect herself. Right. Um, and the, <clears throat> you know, she, she, she wouldn't have, she wasn't thinking of, of the assertiveness and standing up for mm -hmm. herself. And, you know, through the Enneagram, we can learn that. Thank you for mentioning comfort because I think nines are a lot about comfort, uh, mm -hmm. and it can be you get it gets comfortable almost to be not you know important, and yet on some level it, that's not right you know. So I think one big thing that nines can do to grow is actually make themselves uncomfortable. <laughs> right, is move toward the discomfort because often and and sometimes that's. Going on stage, making yourself more important, promoting yourself. But I think oftentimes they need our support to do that as well. But but again, we often can't know it if, if they don't know it. And the whole name of this game is unconsciousness, really. Yeah. Um, you talked about passive aggression, but I was just wondering what nines do with their anger. Suppress it? <laughs> Somaticize it. Somaticize it. Somaticize it is when instead of feeling something, uh, you act it out or it like takes shape in the body. Yes, or manifests as a disease pattern. There's a lot of that. And of course, there's the volcano effect yeah. from the right, suppression. which is a little bit like what his wife does, right? So sometimes nines will hold in, hold in, hold in, and then they get really explosive, which, why, which is why Matt's story about what happened yesterday is such a victory because instead of really exploding, he found a way to get angry in a productive way and to actually get in touch with the anger but channel it into action, uh, which can be hard. Yeah, back here. I'm not speaking of uh, illness or death, but what makes you saddest in life? When does a nine get sad so that another person who loves a nine can 
mm. empathize deeply. Mm. <clears throat> I'll, I'll take that. <laughs> um, I think the the sense of aloneness or isolation is deeply saddening. And I think that that, that sense of, you know, the, the desire to merge being, you know, an impulse toward union with the divine, but, but that every, um, you know, I think all psychopathology comes from the idea that we feel like we're, there's, you know, there's something wrong with us. And, um, and so that being cut off is extremely painful. I also tend to get incredibly sad on behalf of collective things. And that really, you know, it affects me at a very, very deep level. So right. that's me. The, the social nine in particular has an issue with sadness uh, because there can be the move toward doing things for the group or others is a lot about belonging. And so the whole nines are very much about belonging and that's part of what the harmony is about and the connection. Um, and so when there's a sense of not belonging, I think it's most poignant for the social, but all nines can feel the sense of, again, being separate, being not connected, uh, not belonging to the, to the group uh, or, or humanity uh, can, feel, can feel really difficult. Two things at the moment, um, not being, I, I've started feeling like maybe I'm missing out on the relationship piece and and started to feel like uh, not connected and to all the other people who have neat relationships and also definitely to the injustices in the world and the collective um, sadness that, that there is in the world uh, and, and the unfairness around those. Yeah. Yep. Question? You, you said that nines can grow by becoming uncomfortable. Yeah. Is that true of all the other members? <laughs> not, not in exactly the same way. Not in exactly the same way, because comfort is a particular kind of protection that nines employ. Um, so I think it, it has a specifically important role for nines. Steve, were you going to say something about I was going to say question? something yeah. about the last question yeah, about sadness. Because um, I felt it impact the panel in a certain way. I don't know yes. if you all felt that. But um, there was a kind of a heaviness around it and a, not knowing exactly how to respond. I had the same feeling. I thought, hmm, I'm, I'm not sure. And um, so I, I thought about the last time I was really sad, and that was did, did all of you see? Did many of you see the Mr. Rogers movie? Yes. <laughs> um, well, in that movie, there was a there was a little puppet. You know, I forget the name of the puppet. Daniel the Striped Tiger. Daniel the Striped Tiger. Tiger. And, yes. uh, and and his um, his woman, the woman who was his assistant was saying to Dan Daniel was saying to her, said, what was her name again? Lady Elaine. Lady Aberlein. Lady Aberlein. Elaine, you know Lady how Aberlein. sometimes you make a mistake? Yeah, yeah, they, that's right, Daniel. Sometimes you make a mistake. But sometimes, well, I kind of sometimes feel like I am a mistake. Oh. And when I heard those words, I went deep into that feeling of not being okay. So that's, that's a driver of a lot of this behavior. Yeah. The going to sleep to that feeling is probably yeah. almost deeper than the, than the anger. Uh, I yeah. think that's why it landed here in a kind of a yeah. soft spot. Um, and that, you know, that's been there uh, throughout my life. I've had to deal with it um, on a number of occasions, mm -hmm. the, the not feeling worthy, not feeling okay, yeah. and a lot of compensation 
you know, for mm-hmm. for that feeling and yeah. developing a social role and you know mm-hmm. the respect and all that stuff. So do all so, your minds feel that? Not I'm not okay. I think there's like I think a lot like all of us there is this failing of like there's something like there I'm not okay I'm not worthy but I think all the different types have a slightly different version of it and I think the nine version and correct me if I'm wrong um, experts uh, is something along the lines of they get the message when they're treated as not as important or overlooked or like their voice isn't heard Or or they're not there that there's something wrong with them that they're being ignored, that they're being left out. I had a somatic experience because intellectually I know I, I know that I'm important, but in the Enneagram training that I had, we were meant to do a, a physical gesture. <clears throat> and to repeat, my repeating was, um, I'm, I'm, I matter, I have a right to be here. <clears throat> and when I did the physicality of it, uh, somatic, I felt it in my cells. And it was it was like a resonant, and I kind of welled up a little bit that I didn't intellectually um, have an issue with. So it was it was kind of felt like it was built into my hardwiring that I didn't maybe matter and have a right to be here, you know, in this space, which was a huge growth jump. And then I I was like, okay, mm-hmm. got right. it, I right. do feeling it in that yeah. deep way. But it was interesting. Yeah, yeah. That way too. Yep. I think we have time for one more. So yep. I'm curious again about the movement. So the mm. six, how does the six fit in in the movement of a nine? Right. So after going to three and getting more in touch with identity, being more recognized, being more active in the world, going back to nine, integrating that, and then when you go to six, which is more stressful, it's a lot about saying no and going against. Sixes are contrarians. Uh, essentially, and so nines being able to kind of say, no, I'm not going to do that, um, to kind of go against, to make boundaries. Uh, anything else you would add to that, anybody? Matt? I took one of those online surveys recently, and uh, of, uh, this was about my philosophical nature, and it came back uh, as a skeptic, and I was like, oh, yeah, that's sort of like the the, the, the being a, a healthy skepticism can be really helpful for a nine who tends to want to merge and connect. Right. To like to like the unconscious merging and agreeing with and going along with yes. to have some skepticism and say, mm, maybe that's not for me. Maybe yes. I don't really want to be doing this. Yes, to inject some doubt, like, yeah. uh, you know, because nines tend to just go right in and merge and connect with, you know, it's like I can understand what you see and what you see, and I want to, you know, they're very de- democratic and egalitarian, like we've heard. Uh, but st- instead of just sort of going with the flow or connecting with everyone, just wait a minute, is that really something I want to do? Yeah. What might be the pitfalls here? Might might be the problems. What might be the dangers for me? You know, to the way six, good sixes can do, kind of analyze the situation a bit more and and be able to take a step back and, or say no, and and be a little bit more self protected and think more about your own safety instead of just sort of being so open uh, to merger with uh, so many different experiences and people. Yeah. Okay, so I think this might be a good place to stop. Yes. Anything you want to say? Uh, to- just a couple of comments. First, for those of us, how many, a couple of questions I want to quickly ask. For how many people is this the first time you've witnessed uh, Enneagram panels? So a great wow. many. All right. Wow. So my sense, I'll speak for myself, 
is that the level of learning that is taking place for me right now is just extraordinary. And I sense this rapt attention in the room. So we had the first panel. Now we have a second panel to compare the first one to. And I noticed particularly many people did the difference in the energies between, you know. (laughs) That's another great aspect of the panel. Yeah, exactly. So that's very strong. You've been listening to a TNS episode from day one of our Enneagram panel workshop series with Beatrice Chestnut and host Michael Lerner. Thank you for listening to TNS, the new school at Commonweal. The new school at Commonweal is directed by Michael Lerner. Our program coordinator is Kara Epstein. Our audio producer is Ken Adams. And our theme music is by Suzanne Ciani. Visit us online at tns.commonweal.org. That's tns.commonweal.org. Commonweal is spelled C-O-M-M-O-N-W-E-A-L. You can also find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Facebook, YouTube, and Vimeo. Thanks for listening.